the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet is what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. At sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. Yes, sir. We are back for another edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. No me, no the voice, no the guy. It's me, really real, villain real, Terrell Furman Jr. at your service. And you got my co-host, Scott Studio, Rachel. Scott, what's going on? Uh, nothing much. Uh, looking forward to going through some of the awards for, and the futures for today's episode. But it still feels a little bit weird. A part of me is missing with no NBA action for the uh, pretty much the last week uh, at this point. So definitely looking forward to the games resuming tomorrow. But of course, there's still money to be made. And I know that we got a lot of futures to talk about. How are you doing? I just find it so funny and hilarious how... Football season will go on and be happening. Everybody's like, why are you betting the NBA? NBA sucks. No reason to bet NBA. But the one week, the one week in the season that there's no NBA action, everybody wants it. You know there's a saying for that that they say around, and it goes something like this. They only miss you when you're gone. And I just, it's just so funny. I'm seeing people, you know, handicappers, analysts, all these stuff everywhere talking about, Man, I can't wait till the NBA comes back. It's nothing to bet on. These college games are bad. The hockey is not good right now. Like, hmm, where was all of that energy when we were giving out winners for the first half of the season? It's, huh. it's you know, I'm glad that we, we, you and I, have 24-7 hoops. We don't have to worry about this. We can bet hoops 24-7 year-round all the time between NBA, WNBA, college basketball, all that time. We have hoops all year round. But it's just, I find it hilarious, the disrespect that the NBA is getting. They're getting a lot of disrespect, especially for that shitty All-Star weekend, too. Uh, did you know that uh, the All-Star game ratings officially came out, and apparently they're down like 27% compared to last year? I mean, I was one, I was part of it. I was definitely part of it. I there's a whole it. crowd of us. There's a whole crowd of us that watched the draft and then immediately turned over and watched Last of Us. I think the draft. I get the idea. You know, it's fun, whatever. But it got to the point where you were wondering if they were even going to play a game because the draft and all the pregame festivities took too long. You know what I, I mean? didn't care. I, I mean, that was my that was my whole reason to watch it. So I didn't feel I didn't feel like it took too long because I'm like, eh, I don't care about the game. So I know at this point after the draft, I'm pretty much tuned out of the rest of this contest. But for the most part, I thought the draft was so fun. Like I thought the draft was really fun, especially watching and just looking for the expressions of the players who were going to be la- left last on the stage. Especially Laurie Marketing, where after Jokic straight up said, yeah, I know for a fact I'm not going to be last. Laurie Market is like, yeah, let me just go ahead and get up so I'm not awkwardly sitting on this stage by myself. Pretty much. But at the end of the day, you have a situation where Jokic is the favorite to win the MVP. And he said directly, you should not try to draft me for a game like this. And I said that when we talked about the MVP odds. By the way, we didn't even take a victory lap for some of our uh, weekend picks at least together because we haven't had a show since but 
I do kind of wonder when the best player or I'd say the favorite to win the best player award, which is basically what the MVP is, the fact that he even stated, like, you should not try to draft me in a game like this kind of tells you where the All-Star game's at and tells you that it doesn't mean anything. So why should viewers treat it seriously by watching it's it? It's a charity game. It's That's a what charity I'm saying. Game. Like, I don't, I don't know why everybody keeps trying to think of ways to make the All-Star game competitive. Like, what charity game ever in life is super, super competitive? Like, never. It's always the, a the fun only, game. The, the only competitive All-Star game year in, year out, which is no longer a thing, was baseball. Because they actually had an incentive where the winning conference or the winning league in this case would get home field advantage in the World Series if they won the All-Star game. Now, you can argue that's stupid because you're turning an exhibition game into something that's so meaningful that it's just not even like worth it at, at, or it doesn't even make logical sense. On the other hand, if you're desperate to actually keep the game competitive, can you see the NBA adapting something like that or adopting it? Or do you think that it's something that there's 82 games like baseball has a much longer season, but there's 82 games in the NBA season. There's no reason to add another meaningful game to this. Like you see, they're trying to add and trying to find ways to make these games more meaningful. Like, no, it's an all-star game. People just want to, they don't want to code. Like, yes, you have the hardcore NBA fans that want to go see a competitive basketball game with defense, all this stuff, yada, 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 yada. But you have a whole bunch of kids. You have a whole bunch of casual fans that just want to go see a bunch of crazy fucking highlights for two hours. Like, that's it. So there's no – I don't think that there's any reason to, to constantly try to find ways to make it competitive. This was a year where the Elam ending didn't mean anything because Giannis, Team Giannis was up so many, so it really didn't matter. But you had other years where the Elam ending made it pretty okay to watch the fourth quarter. Like, okay, it had a bad year come back next year and just hope that the teams are close in the fourth quarter and they're actually playing some defense trying to see who can actually win the game at the end. But other than that, there's no reason to try to add all these different stuff trying to make this game competitive. Like, the draft was fun. That was a really fun moment. You got a bunch of clips from it. You got a bunch of things to talk about. Publicity went up because of that. The game, just leave it alone. There's no reason to keep trying to make changes. I think the draft being live was a little bit much for me. I was fine with the studio version when you had Barkley and everyone in the studio and you just had LeBron and Giannis making picks or Durant making picks is the funniest one because that was with the Harden situation happening at the same time. I don't think you need it live. I feel like that was a little bit overboard, but at the end of the day... I loved it live. I think you can argue that it was fun, but I think just on principle, not knowing the teams until like five minutes before the game seems a little bit... But that's but that's what you're going for, and that's what Kevin Durant was. I know talking it's what about they were going said. for. I'm, no, I but that's what Kevin Durant was talking about. Like, let's just let's make it the bit the best pickup basketball game in the world, like the greatest pickup basketball game in the world, where you're literally just picking these people. I would the only thing I would have preferred that might have would have made it more fun is if these guys are really lined up, like you're in the gym and you're just like, I got him. Hey, I got him. No, hey, let me get him. No, 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 not him, not him, him. Yeah, let me get him. Like that, that would have been like, oh, everybody would have been sitting there like, dang, that joint feel like the open rep. But how they had it, it was fun. It was good. The only thing that they messed up was they had a live mic on Chuck and Shaq, which was actually kind of funny if you could pick out what they were saying because they were trying to decide, oh, uh, what is he about to go get Drew Holiday here? Oh, he did draft Drew Holiday. Like, I so thought you were going to say funny. Giannis 
trying to draft jaw when he wasn't able to draft no that was funny as well but the live mic was very funny when you actually picked out what they were saying it was very annoying to hear and the production truck was probably going crazy like turn them off but it was very funny when you were sitting there picking out what they were saying and they literally said like oh he's got to go get drew holiday first he's definitely about to oh he didn't get him he was like dang that's crazy it's tough and so it was it was kind of funny so yeah i like the live draft i thought it was very fun very way to at least keep me watching the game for the most part like it kept my interest until the game actually started and i think that's a good thing i, th- I think it makes sense the ratings were down I, th- I thought the game was horrible but you know congrats you didn't to watch it you didn't watch it no but you see highlights and nobody no you didn't watch it you can't thing. say you you can't say i thought the game was horrible you didn't watch it scott I mean, let's be real for a second. Like, at least here. I watched the first. I watched the first quarter. I watched the first quarter. No, but let, well, let's be real for this for a second though, because you're watching the game and there's not even any defense in the fourth quarter. Usually, there's some pride in the final, you know, quarter, and that didn't even happen. Plus, both captains got injured midway through the game. Giannis, I didn't think would play. He ended up having a dunk and then he left. And then LeBron got injured in the what was it? Second quarter? Third quarter? Something like that. I didn't watch that point in the game, so I don't but That's know. my point. My point is that both captains got hurt, and I'm sure that didn't help the ratings when LeBron got injured. He didn't play the entire second half, basically. And then he ended up having a glorified – it wasn't even a glorified. It was just a scrimmage. Congrats to Tatum. Get 55 points. Congrats to him. But the product was not good. So, you know, we'll see what happens moving forward. I understand your point. It's an exhibition game. What do you want from them? I think they could have a cash prize, but then again, most – all-star Nobody cares. They make millions. Nobody cares. making 200-something million dollars. I don't think they care about the million dollars either. So, yeah, it's really tough to find a way to make games competitive when players are in the middle of their time off playing in I a know, the easy they know is a scrimmage. The easy solution is to just dissolve. let it be what it is. Just let it be what it is. I thought it you were going to say matter. dissolve it, but that's a separate. No, just let it be what it is. It's an all-star game. It's a glorified exhibition game. It's a scrimmage game. It's something that you're probably going to have more enjoyment if you're actually in the building than if you are watching on TV, to be honest, because watching highlights and watch stuff like that, it hits a lot more when you're in the building. So it's probably something that you have a lot more fun when you're there and opposed to when you're not. But for the most part, I don't care. Like, leave it be. Leave it be. I don't have to watch that game. I got to watch 82 other games for the rest of the season. I don't have to watch that one. I think the argument is the NBA spending so much money and resources to have that game in the first place, and the fact that nobody's watching it means that it's not worth their time. I feel like that's the counter-argument. No, it's a whole bunch of other things that go into All-Star Weekend than just the All-Star Game, so it's definitely... I kind of meant for TV rating purposes. Oh, well, yeah, they're not not concerned about that. Like, you're getting the All-Star Game as just, like, that's just a... Uh, added perk to all the other thing yeah to everything else that you're getting like it's a side item to everything else you're getting when you pay for a tv contract with the nba so nobody really cares if ratings are down i promise you the nba doesn't give a fuck all right before we get into the futures let me just go ahead and knock out this because we have the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network, and that is WinBet. WinBet is now active in a bunch of states, and they have live betting, same-game parlays, a.k.a. the Win Build Your Own Bet. I got to get some Build Your Own Bets going for the NBA. I might have a special one for tomorrow. Be tuned to that. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. Sign up today and receive a special offer. Bet $100. Get $100 limited to state availability. And, of course, if you have the biggest long shot parlay of the week, then you will get an additional $1,000 free credit. 
So much juice on all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That is sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Opposite your change terms, conditions at winbet.com. Must be 20 older and present state where play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Let's kick things off with... Well, I do want to ask you, though, before we get into the awards, there was one piece of NBA news yesterday, which might tie into some award stuff. I doubt it because the team's not very good. I know I mentioned them as my pick yesterday uh, in the Eastern Conference breakdown with Munaf. Is Trey Young a coach killer? No, I just think that the Hawks suck and the Hawks don't have any accountability for them sucking other than blaming the next coach that walks through the door. McMillan's the scapegoat, and once again, I'm not sure how much of an impact it's going to have for the rest of the season, but I do at least want to bring it up because that was the main piece of news was Nate McMillan getting fired or mutually departing or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. They, they got rid of him, basically. you have any takeaways you want to share? Because I feel like we, we had to talk about it briefly before we got into the awards. No, I didn't actually think we had to talk about it at all. I was perfectly fine really? waiting until we broke down the next Hawks. Yeah, I was totally fine waiting until we broke down the next Hawks game because it truly, like, it truly, truly doesn't matter other than the fact that Atlanta's just a terribly run organization and they've been that for an extremely long amount of time. And now you just have what they did with the last coach where it's just another scapegoat and you're moving them out the door. You're going to bring another coach in and you're going to try to do the same thing and you're probably going to end up in the same predicament. So until the... Hawks front office decides that we want to actually be a capable front office that takes this team from a borderline playoff team some years, maybe a playoff team some years to actually competing night year in year out other than one Eastern Conference finals trip, then they'll be better. But right now, the front office doesn't want to be an NBA front office. There are glorified Houston Rockets in the East Coast, except the fact that they have the talent where they can compete night in and night out sometimes. But other than that, I really didn't have anything for this. I knew it was going to happen. We all knew it was going to happen. He was clear. He was the clear scapegoat in that situation. Yeah, I'm not surprised he got fired. I'm a bit surprised at the timing because they waited until basically after All-Star Weekend, and now they have a day or two to fully regroup with a brand new coach, which I think is a little bit weird. But I gave out a line that I missed the playoffs before the news broke. I still feel basically the same about it because Atlanta is just not a very good team. We do agree about the scapegoat angle uh, where we just think that they're going to blame the coaches because they're paying the players too much that they don't want to blame them. If you had to actually blame somebody that you think is worthy of all the blame or most of it. I already said it. Okay, front office. Fair enough. It's the front. It's 100% the front office. The Atlanta Hawks front office is one of the worst front offices in the for league. For the DeJounte trade, or you have other stuff? Or no, not, no not for the DeJounte trade. I thought the DeJounte trade was okay, but it's the fact that they are not – they just sitting there and saying that, yeah, we have a couple of stars, and that's going to be it. They, they take no accountability in the development of the rest of the team, in the coaching staff, and clear and obvious – how they got Pierce up out of there, how they've got McMillan out of there, that they're just going to throw a bunch of players to these coaches and say, make it do what it do, not take any of their thoughts into accountability of these players and just say, hey, well, you made it to the Eastern Conference Finals with a group like this, so you should be able to get it done. The fact that John Collins is still on his roster is absolutely like mortifying to me. I can't believe they paid him during the offseason. 
it, it just it doesn't make sense at all. So first you pay him, then you pay him, and like, oh, we made a mistake paying him. Now we're trying to trade him. Now you can't find anybody. You can't get a trade done with them. And it's a terribly run front office. The front office should take the brunt and majority of blame. And I'm not putting it on the players. I'm not putting it on the coaches. I think that this situation right here is a complete front office collapse by the Atlanta Hawks. I think you're right, but I do think that some of it's on Trey because he just doesn't play off ball. And you could argue with better coaching, maybe he would do it. But the backcourt hasn't worked because Trey not, has not been able to operate in a complementary guard spot. And DeJounte wants the ball in his hands as well. And when you have two ball-dominant guards together, uh, it's not going to work out if neither of them are going to play that well off ball. DeJounte does occasionally. Trey really doesn't, and that was one thing we were kind of hoping that he would add to his game, and he really hasn't, which is kind of a problem. But I I agree with you about the front office, though. The Collins move, and a big reason why they can't move Collins is because the contract is so bad, you probably have to attach some draft capital to it, but you just traded your draft capital for DeJounte Murray, so now you don't even have a sweetener to throw in for somebody to take the Collins contract. Or you could have not signed them in the first place. No, I'm saying once they yeah, sign, it's, it's just yeah, yeah, it's just it's just bad decision after bad decision, and trying to correct a bad decision and uh, it, I, I really it compounded didn't. the issue. That's that's what happened. Yeah. So okay. Well, let's just go ahead and take that and segue to the Eastern Conference for our futures market because we have the Eastern Conference Finals. Let me go ahead and read off some of the. Uh, Let's read off some of the odds for the Eastern Conference Finals. Eastern Conference Finals, correct? Yes, this is to win the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay. You have Boston Celtics at plus 115, Milwaukee Bucks at plus 220, Philadelphia 76ers plus 550, Cavs at 11 to 1, Miami Heat at 20 to 1, Brooklyn Nets at 45 to 1, and you're starting to get in some really large numbers after that. Sitting here today, it feels like this is a two-horse race. I will accept any other argument for somebody else to come in. And I think there is a slight argument, but the head coach of one team just doesn't give me any confidence in them in making a playoff run. But it's a two-horse race for me, Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, we, we completely agree eye to eye here. I'm not going to try to give you another team that has a shot. Uh, unless Giannis is seriously hurt, then, which apparently he avoided a serious injury, but you never know if he's going to stay that way. But assuming nothing else serious happens to Giannis, and assuming the Boston Celtics stay relatively healthy, assuming Brown and Tatum don't miss any serious time, Philly's the third option at 550 or so. Cleveland's at 11-1. to I'm with you, though. I see a two-horse race. I'm picking Boston uh, if I had to pick any team right now. But... I don't have anything else to add. It's a pretty short discussion for me. I don't see a Cinderella team that I'm going to make a case for. I'm not going to look at Miami and go, ooh, 20 to 1, because they might be a playing team, and I'm not going to try to bother with an aging team to make it back or to make a deep run. I got Boston, but I do agree with you. I think it's between Boston and Milwaukee. Yeah. I, for me, I'm on the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm just going to take uh, Giannis, Chris Milton, and Drew Holiday, who, again, their record when they're playing together is absolutely phenomenal when all three of those guys are in the starting lineup. So they've won what, uh, 12, 12 straight at the moment as a team. Uh, yeah, I think they are. They are on winning streak as a team. I don't know the exact number, but I know sure. that is some crazy number when you take like the combined games that Drew Holiday, 
Chris Middleton and Giannis have all played together. And I'll ride that into the uh, Eastern Conference Finals and to the NBA Finals in my case. So getting plus 220 with that number, I think, is a really, pretty good price. And especially if you have the Boston Celtics, you definitely have a really good hedge opportunity because I'm pretty sure they should be favored to win every single series they're in. So you'll get some nice plus money on whoever they're going against if you want to hedge out of that. But I really do think it's a two-horse race. These are the two most talented teams in the conference. While there is a lot of other good teams in the conference, I think these two are just on another level. Like, this is Tier 1. Tier 2 is probably uh, Philadelphia by themselves. I don't know if I'm adding Cleveland to Tier 2 just yet, but I think Philadelphia is on a tier by themselves where they have the talent and they have everything it, it takes to be competitive with the Bucks and with the Celtics. But for me, it's just I don't trust Jock Rivers in the playoffs. And uh, I think you more than me definitely don't trust James Harden in the playoffs as well. So uh, that is what keeps them right below. They just don't have the pedigree that the other two teams have in making playoff runs. But Cleveland Cavaliers next on that tier as well. Um, after you have that. the Cavs by themselves, or you have another team with the Cavs? I think I have the Cavs by themselves. I think it's like tier two is filled because it's just a really big gap between one, two, three, and four, and everybody else. I, I think that's but, why I'm putting Philly with Cleveland in a second tier, just because the drop off after four is pretty large. So I, I think but I still I will think there's a drop off. I think there's still a drop off between Philly and Cleveland. There might be a drop off, but it but it's closer than the drop off between four and five. Yeah, no, no, it's definitely closer, but I would okay, so maybe two point five. I just yeah, I don't know. That's fine. I don't think that that Philly and Cleveland are necessarily the same tier. It's just the fact that the drop off is so big after four that it makes Philly and Cleveland look a lot closer than they are. And I think Cleveland just has to get to the playoffs and be able to prove themselves. They still haven't gotten there to prove themselves. We don't know what they look like during a playoff run. And so I just can't give them the benefit of the doubt right there. They got to be a tier, at least a tier below Philly. And I do want to ask you, though, because since the Celtics are basically half the odds that the Bucks are, they're about half a game separated for the one seed. And yet Boston's minus 275 to get the one seed. Do you agree with those odds? Or do you think that Milwaukee should be cheaper to win the one seed? Because Giannis, even though he avoided serious injury, probably still going to be out for a week and change. Milwaukee, we know, has been very careful with his injury history in the second half of seasons in years past. Do you think it, that's a fair price? Because they are separated by like half a game. I think that it's a fair price just not knowing how long Giannis is going to be out in the first place. Yeah. That's why and I kind so of agree it, with it, and yeah, that's that's really it. So if I knew that Giannis was playing the rest of the season, then I would say that you are absolutely idiotic for playing that amount of juice with the Celtics. Not and Giannis is fully go for the rest of the season. But the fact that Giannis could miss three games, I'm not even saying he's missing an extended amount of time. But let's just say he doesn't he doesn't play the rest of the month, and that's the Heat, the Suns, and the Nets. Suns expect that to be a really good matchup. He always played a Bucks tough, so they could actually come out and get a win on Friday. We'll break that down here on the NBA Gambling Podcast on Friday. And the Nets, they're not going away. The Nets have decided that they're not going away. They're going to play really good ball. So say that you're missing Giannis for three, maybe five games. That is enough to set you back in what is a really, really close race here with about 23 games to go. Yeah, I, 
I think that there's a lot of value. And because of that, I think there's a lot of value on the Bucks because the Bucks could very well do really good in this stretch. Then you get Giannis back. And now you're just basically hoping that a game or two doesn't go the Celtics way. And the Bucks are able to sneak in there a game above, a game and a half above in the last minute. So I think that it's a nice sweat if you have the Bucks. And I probably would place down on the Bucks just to get a little sweat going. But for the most part, I think that with Giannis being out, it's a lot of risks to be had. And I think that that's a pretty decent price, minus 275. Not that I'm betting it, but a pretty decent price. for the, And it makes sense for the Boston Celtics to be laying minus 275. As and Boston's fully see. healthy again because Marcus Smart came back. Jalen Brown's coming back. Uh, yep. Robert Williams came back, and he's been good since he came back. Brogdon had some time off, so you're hoping he'll be healthy. They're close to, if not at full strength at this point. So I can understand why Boston's a pretty hefty favorite. What I will say is, is that if you're, this could be setting up, depending how these two teams do go for about the next month, this could be setting up that the March 30th matchup in Milwaukee between the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks is potentially for the one seed. Because after that, you have what, five, you have five games after that. So they're near identical records at that point in the season and they play that game on March 30th effectively that game is going to be for the one seed and Milwaukee's at home so from what I've seen historically I think Milwaukee's going to start benching people in the second half of the season yeah I mean I I I think that the thing that you have going for you if you like Milwaukee is for the rest of the season is the fact that Chris Middleton still needs to work himself um, Mm -hmm. in and so at the very least you know you're getting Chris Middleton who's starting to play better and better and better and I think that we can expect to see him in a starting lineup. And you're hoping after. to see Bobby Portis back at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't forget, Bobby Portis definitely has to work himself back. So you know that those two guys, for the most part, are probably going to be playing for the rest of the season just to get those guys ready for the playoffs. But uh, a guy like Drew Holiday, I could definitely see some load management games for Drew Holiday because he's played a lot of games this season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. That's yeah, that's a lot easy. So we got the easy conference out the way. It's really a two horse race for two horse race for the Eastern Conference Finals in my eyes. However, if one of these teams does fall off, because we've seen it, I think we saw it with who we see? No, not with Boston. We saw it with somebody last year. One of these teams could very well fall off and find themselves in the three spot. If they do, or even a four spot. Well, no, not the four spot, maybe the three spot. Because what's the what's the difference between it's three games back? Yeah, so maybe you can find yourself in the three spot if you fall off enough, but I doubt any either one of them fall off enough. So more than likely how you're looking at it, you're probably getting an Eastern Conference Finals matchup between these two teams. I don't think that there's a path for them to meet before that unless somebody falls to four, I believe. Yeah, that's right. If somebody falls to four, then there would be a second-round matchup. But other than that, uh, it looks like an Eastern Conference Finals matchup between Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks is the most probable in this situation. Yeah. All right. Let's move over to the next conference, the absolutely loaded conference in the Western Conference, because you have a lot of teams that are in it. Now, that may be fool's gold, but you have a lot of teams that have a claim. You have Denver, who has a claim, 41-18, and 18, number one. Some people are higher on Denver than others in this network on as listeners to this podcast. Some people are a lot higher on Denver. You have the Memphis Grizzlies who, if you ask them, they think that they're completely winning it all and they're the best team in the league this year. You have 
Uh, let's see. I guess you could throw the Clippers in there. I'm I'm not ready to. I got to see what the Kings do this second half of the season. It's just really giving Cavs last year where the Cavs got into a great start. And then after all-star break came and they completely fell off and found themselves not even in the playoffs. So, yeah, well, if you're going by odds, then the order would be Suns. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just going by the. uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to get to that. Hold on. Uh, But just reading down the actual order of standings, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, Clippers, Suns are sitting there. Suns getting a huge bump up when Kevin Durant comes back. So that'll be something to look up forward to. Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic are starting to get rolling with the Mavericks. They're coming in at six. And then you even have like some teams in the play-in that very well could be in it. New Orleans Pelicans is one team. They're fully healthy. If they can get fully healthy this season, they're a team to look out for. Uh, Minnesota's just kind of hanging around there. I'm not really a believer in them. Golden State is there, though, as well. Golden State can come out of it. And then coming all the way down to the team, everybody wants to hear about the Los Angeles Lakers, who currently sitting at 13th in conference, do have a shot because what is this? The play-in from 7 to 13 is separated by three games. So they do have a shot. Odds for the Western Conference, we have – oh, wait, that's the wrong team. There we go. I, I can list right. it if you if you. Yeah, Western it. Conference, we have plus 235 for the Phoenix Suns, plus 390 for the Denver Nuggets, plus 450 for the Los Angeles Clippers, plus 750 for the Memphis Grizzlies, and for the Dallas Mavericks, also at plus 750. Golden State Warriors at plus 850. Los Angeles Lakers sneaking all the way up at 20 to 1. 25 to 1 is the New Orleans Pelicans and the Sacramento Kings, who are currently third place. Like they're third place, but still 50 to 1. A lot of people not believers in the Kings. I mean, it's really hard for me to come up here and not tell you that the Phoenix Suns are going to win the Western Conference. I'm assuming they will as well if Durant and Booker stay healthy. I'm not sure if Chris Paul needs to stay healthy. But I don't know if people are ready to have that discussion. But I think as long as Booker and, and KD are healthy, I think that's good mm. enough for me. No, I think Chris needs to stay healthy too. I think it's preferred, but I think, I think they can he's survive a, without. I think him, he's. In my opinion, I don't think they. I, no, I don't think. I don't think that they make a. Mm, I don't know. I think this conference is too stacked. I don't think they make a finals trip if Chris Paul is not healthy. Chris I think Paul's they're really good players of all time. But I'm looking at this past season and even dating to the series against the Mavericks last year, he's nowhere near the same player that he used to be. That's all I'm going to say. Now, you could say that he still has value, and I'll agree with you, but the fact is, offensively, he's really just a shell of his former self, and I think as a result, Phoenix could hypothetically survive if Paul is out for a couple of games in a Western Conference Finals, in my opinion. But I think that offensively, I might be it depends how you look at it. I think it depends how you look at it, but... In terms of his play, in terms of his playmaking, and uh, as a floor general and the point guard of that team, he's still doing really well. Like he turned it on after he came back from that injury. He actually has been playing a lot better basketball than what he was earlier in the season, which was part of the woes that the Suns were going through early, early on in this season. So, uh, yeah, I think I think Chris Paul needs to be there. I, I don't think I'm picking the Suns if Chris Paul isn't there against. 
a lot of these teams in the Western Conference because I still think like I think Golden State isn't going to go away. I think that Dallas is Dallas just went all in this year. Like Mark Cuban went all in this year, and I still think that when they get like a Maxi Kleber back and they have that wing player that can also shoot outside three and space the floor more, like they're going to be a lot better. For Memphis, the record, I, I'm not picking Dallas to win the West. I, I mean, the, I mean, the Sun is clear defensively, but. I mean, they were well. They were they were better defensively last year. I'll give you that. But, yeah, but I'm saying you I, trade Finney Smith, you trade away a couple of pieces there. I, I'm not sold on their defense. I don't think they're good enough. Uh, I don't know. I've been hearing that argument a lot, and I Finney Smith is a good defender, but I don't think he's an all world defender that completely changes that. I think that they're the same bad defensive team that they were when he was there. Okay, and before I don't think they were good enough defensively to win a title anyway. But yeah, you're looking at the last couple of games allowed 128. It did go to overtime against Sacramento, uh, but allowed 124 to Minnesota, allowed 118 to Denver. The Denver one's tricky because Kyrie didn't play, but defensively they have not exactly been good lately. So that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. No, no, I get that, but also I think that especially with teams that aren't that I know can be solid defensive teams that aren't playing really good defense right now. I think that next I look towards the coach and just say, Hey, is this a coach that can rally this team together and get them right defensively for a playoff run? And Jason Kidd has shown that he can do that. Like I, I trust Jason Kidd that he can do that. You're getting Reggie Bullock some, some more minutes and he's a better uh, on ball defender on the perimeter as well. So, Dallas defensively, yeah, I completely understand what you're saying, but I think that I trust Jason Kidd enough that when it gets closer to playoff time, when we get into playoff time, like this is going to look like a better, not going to be anything top 10, which is why I don't think that they have a chance to win the NBA Finals because you got to be a top defensive team. Like that's just the history of the NBA. You got to be a really good defensive team to be able to win the NBA Finals. I think one uh, problem I also have with Dallas is the fact that their home road splits are so jarring, and based on where they're currently located, they might have, I can't even say home court advantage at any series at any point in the playoffs. So if they're going to have to win at least one road game in every series, I'm not picking that team to make a deep run in the playoffs. You have to show I think that, something on the road. Oh, no, I think that I think that this is a, mat, a rematch of last year's Western Conference Finals. I think his son's I think his son's Mavericks again, but I think the Suns carry it. In which round? In the Western Conference Finals. I think really? it's the Western Dallas Finals. Yeah. Western Conference Finals. Okay. Yeah, I think Dallas I think Dallas can make a run. Like if you're sitting here looking at these teams, there's nobody that really, really jars me in thinking that trusting Luka Doncic in the playoffs is gonna go against my favor. Like I I understand, but I do think that there is a possibility that even terribly defensively Dallas will still outscore every single team they play against and so majority of these teams I don't think that they can win a shootout with Dallas if they play how they played in those first couple of games before all-star because the offensive numbers are crazy there was like three games in a row where they were shooting 50 percent every single game and 50 damn near 50 percent from three every single game as well those offensive numbers are jarring. So if if they keep that offense going and that's what we have to look forward to, there's a lot of teams that even though they might be better defensive teams, they're not going to keep up offensively with the Dallas Mavericks. And so I'm just po- I'm just pointing it out that they are 12 and 19 on the road. So I'm not going to pick them to make a run if I don't trust them to potentially win a series if they have to win one road game. Yeah, but I I don't look at 
home road stats in the it's different because they have Kyrie as well so a lot of their stats came before Kyrie so home road stats I don't think it I truly don't think home road stats matter when it comes to the playoffs like I think that when you get a playoff time you turn it on and it's in a different mode and you know that every game every single game you play in is your life in the playoffs so I expect to see a lot more intensity even on the road for some of these squads there's been bad road teams like Golden State is consistently not the best road team like I think Steve Kerr has it was a so they've stat, never been and this they showed bad, it. But no, they've never been this bad. But it's not like they've been good. You just said that Dallas was twelve and nineteen. I'm sure that there was years where Golden State probably didn't have the best road record. However, they're still able to go in there and turn on a different mode in the playoffs. Like I just think the playoffs is a whole different beast, and you got to take out some of that other stuff. So home road splits, yeah, I think that that's good for regular season where I'm kind of counting that. But the playoffs, I'm kind of throwing everything out and giving everybody a clean slate. Okay, so to go through the actual odds or picks for this conference, I agree with you on Phoenix. I just think with Booker and with Durant, they have two top 10 players in the league, one top five player in the league, and I think that's good enough. Not to mention, Aiton, I know we rose. Oh, you think Devin Booker's a top 10 player? I do. Okay, great. All right. No, I do too. I do too. I do too. I'm just saying that. Yeah, I said two top 10 players. Don't say that. Yeah, I just don't think a, a lot of people don't agree with that. Like, I'm just going I think with people, don't, people that are listening. Hate a lot of people don't agree with that. Because they think that he talks too much trash, and it's kind of why people hate Memphis. It's because he trash-talked Luka, and then Luka punked him for two games. But it doesn't change the fact that when healthy, Booker's a top-ten player in the league, Yeah, in my opinion. No, no, I agree. I agree. So, just, a lot Phoenix, of people I got a pick. Uh, besides that, Denver? There's – I. I don't see any reason to think that this is going to be any different from Denver of previous years. I'm going to throw in Denver into the mix because I have to. I think they'll be the one seed. Why so do you I'm have, to? have to throw them in because they're the one seed? Mm. The Clippers are the team. I'm we've the seen one seeds not make the play. Would not make the finals. Yeah, we've seen one seed lose in the first round too. But I'm saying since you know altitude and the fact they're 27 and four straight up at home. I do want to at least bring up Den. I'm not going to write them off. That's what I'm saying. I'll, if I'll, if I'll Denver, wait for the okay. Let's try. Let's consideration. If Denver pulls Golden State in the first round, you have a healthy Steph Curry, healthy Golden State, getting Denver in the first round. Are you picking Denver? Because this is the this is the you're most higher likely, on Golden State than I am. But based on matchups, that's why I'm asking you because you're lower on Golden. I know I'm picking Golden State, but you're lower on Golden State than me. That's why I'm asking you. If you have Denver versus Golden State in the first round as the one eight matchup, are you picking Denver? That's really tough though, because I'm I'm really not into this Golden State team this year. I think I would probably lean to Golden State, but like it's mostly just based on pedigree and reputation. But the fact that you even have to think about it, and I know, you're struggling means that to I make don't a decision to make a run because that's the first round of the <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. first game, that's the first matchup, and you don't even think that they could possibly make it out in the first. There's no way. I get it. The, the point is, I'm trying to toss teams out. I can't yeah. toss Denver out when they're going to be the one seed and they're 27 and four at home. So I got to at least include them in my short list. The Clippers are the most fascinating team to me because we know that when or if Kawhi and Paul George are healthy, this team's been really, really good. And they've been especially good lately. They got Westbrook. I hate the move, but it's in the past now. They got him. I don't know if he's going to play much, but still. Is it really in the past? I don't think it's in the past. I think that's very much present. No, it's in the past because they can't reverse their decision. He's on the roster. 
That's my. Oh point. no, they can reverse their decision. They they might. They can I mean, they can, they <laughs> they can definitely cut the bench during the playoffs. But <laughs> I don't like the move. I feel like you might agree with me on that. I talked about it briefly yesterday with Munaf. But the Clippers are a team that I still don't want to trust in a playoff series. But I do acknowledge at full strength they definitely have the capabilities of making a deep playoff run. But that's assuming Kawhi and Paul George and even Norman Powell's at injury in, uh, injuries in the past. That implies that they can stay healthy. And that's still a bit of too much of a question mark for me. Are you writing off the Clippers? Yes, I actually took the Clippers at seven to one to not make the playoffs. Okay. I think that this this is very like very, very jumbled Western Conference where if they do are not healthy for the rest of the season, if they continue to load manage for the rest of the season and they take a few L's, they could very much find themselves in a the play in. And we've seen what they've done in the play in last year. So I think that there is a very decent possibility that the the Clipper, at least enough for me to take a seven to one bet. Do I have full confidence that that bet is going to cash? No, but am I absolutely going to love it? And would I kick myself if I didn't take the bet and it did cash? Absolutely. So, yeah, I think the Clippers are probably deserving of. Yeah, I, I guess you could say they're deserving, and you're just giving it the Kawhi Leonard effect. But to be honest. We haven't seen Kawhi Leonard get back to this mountaintop since 2019. And yes, injuries have been the cause of that. When you say mountaintop, and you I mean can't take that out of his heading. Or you mean top five? Of, at least in the at least at least getting well, not even both. You could really okay. say both. But what I was talking has about been incredible or referring to that's why I'm making sure we're on the same page here. No, no, yeah, definitely. I think that he's is both. He hasn't gotten back to his status as a top five player in the league. He hasn't gotten back to the NBA finals. And I think injuries are a big part to do with that and because of those injuries he's not getting in rhythm he's not playing as many games he's not reassuring himself that he is a top five player in the league that and we both know when Kawhi Leonard is all the way on he's absolutely a top five player but do I know that I'm getting that Kawhi Leonard I really don't and I don't want to I don't want to bet money on that yeah I think I probably agree with you but I am keeping an eye on the Clippers because I do at least recognize how well they've played recently so I'll give him a little bit of a kudos there. I'm not picking Dallas. I'm not picking the Clippers Golden are a State. team. The Clippers are a team that I'm perfectly fine being late on. I'm perfectly yeah. fine making them prove it to me that they can play on that level, that these players are back. Injuries are not going to be a problem. And I'm perfectly fine waiting until the playoffs, seeing them in the playoffs and saying, oh, wait, now I changed my mind. I think that this Clippers team actually can make a pretty nice run, but there's no way I'm taking a future out on them. Absolutely Even with not. Paul George and Kawhi, I really hate them late in fourth quarters. I think they're a horrible team late in games, and I've seen it for months. They're really not good with the game on the line. We saw it against Milwaukee. I know they came back and beat the Knicks after they choked a massive lead because Batum hit a buzzer-beater game-tying three. They choked away a massive lead in that game, too. I don't like how they finish games in the fourth quarter. That's a serious problem that I have with this Clippers team, and I think it'll come back to bite them in the playoffs. But anyway... I have three teams that I'm seriously considering. The Clippers are on the fence, so I guess they're my hypothetical fourth team. The Suns are obvious. I'll include Denver because they're roughly 4-1 to one and they're probably going to be the one seed. I think for odds purposes, I know people hate this team, and I do think a big piece of it is because of injury. I got to at least mention Memphis at plus 750. I get people don't like this team because they're a little no. bit over the top in terms of confidence. Adams has been out, and he's probably the best rebounder in the league. But at the same point, they're the two seed. 
and they have three games of cushion in front of Sacramento. The two seed, though, that has some playoff experience from last year. And they're good. And they're good. Like, let's not let's not take away from every first of all, first thing. Every single team in NBA has a bad stretch during the season. It's an 82 game season that stretches from October to April. Every single team has a bad stretch. Every single team. We got to take away that Memphis is still a good basketball team. Like they're still a good basketball team with good pieces. There may be, you may not like their off-court antics. You may not like them. And it's the same thing with the Suns. You may not like how much they talk. At the end of the day, what you cannot take from them is that they're a good team. And if the stars align for them and they get the matchups that they like, they absolutely can make a run. So I think that at plus 750, well, at least for me, they're in the conversation. I didn't have to be for those odds. Now you're saying, you know, if the stars align, they get the matchups they like. I guess my question is, we know Golden State kind of owns this team, if we're being honest. But ignoring Golden State, which matchup are the Grizzlies extremely worried about? Because I'm not sure if I see another one. And it's just mental with Golden State. Golden State just owns the mentally. Do you think, think Memphis Cl- is actually like a bad? You think the Clippers? Yeah, I think the Clippers. I think the Clippers is is a matchup that if I'm Memphis, I'm like, uh, I mean, we can get past them, but like. They're, they're, they're still good defensively. They have the interior defense from uh, Zubak, who is really, really good defensively this year. And now you're bringing Macy Pumley off the bench as well. He's gonna They're going to really give Steven Adams some problems. And as we've seen over the past few weeks, without Steven Adams there rebounding, this Memphis team has been re- really, really been struggling. So I think that they can kind of help neutralize Steven Adams in that matchup for them. And then I just like that they'll be able to contain Contain uh, John Morant and contain uh, Dylan Brooks. Uh, a well, lot Brooks of these people from driving so inside the paint. You don't have to worry about Brooks. Yeah, I, I know. I know. Whatever. <laughs> but for the most part, I think if I'm looking at it, if I'm the Grizzlies, I think the Clippers are the team. that I'm like, I'm cool if we can avoid them. I like us against every other team. But the Clippers, even though I hate the Clippers and I don't think – I still think that there's an outside chance Clippers don't make the playoffs, I cannot negate the fact that I think they match up pretty well with Memphis full strength. For the odds, though, I think that the Grizzlies went from arguably the most overrated team in the league or the most hated team to potentially the most disrespected team because they're still yeah. the two-seed. Like, yeah. I understand if you don't trust this team and Dylan Brooks thinks a scumbag because he's a dirty player. I get it. They're still the two seed, and people aren't giving them any respect whatsoever. To be honest, if you are looking at how this is shaping up, now there could be so much variance from now to the Western Conference looking up at for it Brad, right now. But... but if you're looking at the conference right now, you kind of prefer to be the two seed. Like, you slightly prefer to be the two seed. Because let's say if Golden State stays in that 9 10 range, that means then they can't that they be have, the seven. They can't be the seven. So you're looking at what seven, maybe New Orleans. Seven could be Minnesota. In New Orleans, you could argue scary, but with Zion having a setback, I'm not sure he's going to play again this season. Like I'm not even putting any stock in New Orleans until I see Zion on a court. Yeah, and I mean, go to state now. Like I said, it's time to go. Go to state could work themselves up to seven. Like I really think the battle or the hope for Memphis and the Nuggets is that either Golden State does not make the playoffs or we avoid them in our seed. No, best case scenario for Memphis is they want to see Golden State Denver or Golden State Phoenix or whatever, but they want Golden State to potentially kill all the teams surrounding them in the stands. Yeah, yeah. 
And if you if you're telling me Golden State runs the gauntlet and then goes sees Memphis in the Western Conference Finals, Memphis is gonna be sitting there like, all right, the boys they've been through a lot. Like yeah. <laughs> they've been through a lot. Because if you're looking at how it's shaped up right now, I think they actually would. They would have to go play. What is that? Yeah, so they would have to go play Denver, and then let's say Phoenix wins the four five matchup. They'd have to play Phoenix after that. So it's kind of why I'm not putting much stock in Golden State, but it tells you that if you're on the opposite side, you have a potential sleeper team that could completely blow up the entire bracket, and that's and that could mess everything up. That could completely mess everything up. Because guess what? You go through go through a series with Denver and and Phoenix if you want to. If you come out on top, you are exhausted. You are completely exhausted, and I don't know how much more you have to give. Yeah, but for the 750 odds, my point is Memphis, I think, has gotten to the point where they're so hated that they're actually undervalued now. Mm-hmm. So I think Memphis has value at 750. Yeah, I do too. So uh, Suns is a consensus for us i really like i really really want to be able to tell you not to take the chalk and take the suns but i just i don't see you you can't avoid them at this point yeah i just don't see it i would rather much rather have a bet on the suns and then have another half unit sprinkled on another team in case an injury happens or anything like that but so my second team that i'll put that on is probably going to be memphis I have Memphis on that. I'll, I feel like I have to include Denver, so I'll include them. I wanted to include the Clippers, but I've, I've seen them fall apart in the playoffs too many times. I just can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it. So, yeah, for me, it's going to be Phoenix, Memphis, and Dallas. Those are my three. I just think it's a good All deal right. for the one seed at around 4-1. to one. So that's, that's going to be my three teams. So you said Phoenix, Denver, and Memphis. Memphis. Okay, so you got Phoenix, Denver, Memphis. I got Phoenix, Memphis, Dallas. All right. I have more on Phoenix than the other two teams, but yes, of course. So if you if we had this one unit, if I was breaking this up one unit, I'd have like a half a unit on Phoenix, and then I'd have a quarter unit on Memphis and Dallas. Yeah, something like that. All right. Well, let's go ahead and go to the big the big dog, and that is the NBA Finals. Boston Celtics are favored at plus two seventy five. Phoenix is right after that at plus four twenty five. Milwaukee plus 550, Denver at plus 750. We're just going to skip the teams that we didn't even have. Dallas is at 16 to 1. Uh, Memphis is at 17 to 1. I'm going to put it this way since we just went through both conferences, we have the Celtics or the Bucks and we have the Suns and that's basically it as far as I'm concerned. I'm not picking Denver to win a championship. I said I think they got a shot to win the West because, of course, of the one seed and they're they're great at home. I think they're going to get torched by whichever team's in the Eastern Conference. I think Giannis would kill that team, and I think that Boston would kill that team too. So I'm not picking Denver. I think Denver, even if I'm picking them to have a realistic shot of winning the Western Conference, I think they would get absolutely exposed in a playoff series against either the Bucs or the Nuggets. So I really see three teams. Am I missing anybody? Because I really just see the Celtics, the Suns, and the Bucs. Yeah, I think that if I any bet that I would like to have on the Mavericks or the Grizzlies, I would much prefer just take them to win the West and not the the finals. Because honestly, I think the only team that is beating Boston or Milwaukee in the NBA finals is the Phoenix Suns, to be completely honest. Yeah. So 
even though I would love to see the script that Kyrie wins another championship this year, I would love to see that script. And I'm not going to bet on it, but I would love to see that script. For me, I'm I'm having a hard time getting away from Phoenix, man. Like, I'm really having a hard time getting away from Phoenix. I just feel like getting a reinvigorated DeAndre Ayton is really, really big. Like, really, really big. And I think DeAndre Ayton is perfectly fine sucking it up for the rest of this year, at the very least, to say, all right, we got something special here, guys. Like, we got something very, very special, and we can go out here and get this done this year, and we can right the wrongs from last season, from the season before. This can finally be our year. So one bet to place, I'm having an extremely tough time getting away from Phoenix at plus 425. I think that's where I'm looking at, too. Boston, I think, is the most talented team from top to bottom. I think they're the deepest team in the league. The problem is with coaching. And I have money, and we're going to talk about Coach of the Year in a little bit, but I have money on Missoula to win Coach of the Year. Except when I watch him coach, I'm not impressed. I don't think he's a good in-game coach, and I think that he's especially bad in the fourth quarter. I've seen a lot of really stagnant possessions for Boston late in games, and that's going to be a serious problem in the playoffs. (laughs) Phoenix, they have not been great in the fourth quarter either compared to usual standards, but they also haven't had Kevin Durant play a game yet, and I'm kind of expecting that to work itself out where they become one of the best fourth-quarter teams because they have several big big game shot makers down the stretch or clutch shot makers down the stretch. I think as a result, they'll take Phoenix. Boston, I think if I had to pick by roster and I'm ignoring coach, I would pick them. But Missoula has really left a lot to be desired, in my opinion, and I trust Monty Williams. So I'll go with Phoenix if I had to pick my favorite value play or favorite option on the board we're going to agree i'm going to take phoenix yeah do you agree uh, about missoula yeah i don't i'm concerned about missoula that's he's why fu- i don't he's think fine but i don't think he moves the needle in your favor that often i that's why i personally well and because i don't trust boston Celtics. but that's another reason why i don't trust boston Celtics is because coaching hasn't you know they've had decent coaches but when it comes to these playoff series it hasn't always materialized on the coat on the court all the time and so it's between phoenix and milwaukee for me i think that is the matchup phoenix and milwaukee but i'm gonna go with phoenix in that one i think i'm still gonna lean phoenix and boston but the point is we don't have any cinderella runs here we just have basically one of the three favorites to win the title yeah yeah i'm not feeling any cinderella this year all right Let's go ahead and transition over to Coach of the Year, and I will just go ahead and give out my first Boston Celtics future. Well, first of all, you just read off the odds first. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I don't have them in front of me. Oh, okay. Uh, so looking at the odds for the Coach of the Year, if you can still find it at some books, you have Missoula as the favorite at plus 175. You have Mike Brown at plus 250. You have Mike Malone at 3-1. to one. You have Taylor Jenkins at seven fifty. Doc, I'm not going to bother. It, I feel yeah, like it's, it's only after after guys. Malone. That's about it. Once and, the Grizzlies kind of fell apart there in the midseason stretch, I think Jenkins doesn't have a shot either. So I see three names. Yeah, it's really those three. I really see only two names because I don't think that Malone is getting any credit for Jokic being a three time MVP in the voters' minds. So I really don't think Malone is in it at all. Per and just I agree with you. Up. But the fact that they're the one seed, maybe if Boston's not the one seed, that moves the needle a little bit. 
but I think Jokic gets all the credit and assuming Jokic wins MVP, they really try to disperse the awards. They try not to give the same team several award winners. Yep. It happens on occasion because Giannis will win MVP and defensive player. That's the same guy. That is, that's not what I'm talking about. But if they give Jokic the MVP, they won't also give the coach coach of the year. That's just not going to happen, in my opinion. I think it was like, what was it, that year that the Jazz were just unbeatable and everybody was like, oh, they're not going to – they gave it to, to Thibodeau in New York because of his run. And I think that's something similar to what Mike Brown is trying to do here. But they have – Boston has to collapse, like absolutely collapse the second half of the season. And Mike Brown has to hold serve where he's at for him to win the award. Honestly. And just to actually mention the standings for the West – the Kings are in third. They're a game in front of the Clippers. They're a game and a half in front of the Suns. Uh, they're two and a half above the Mavericks. But I'm, I'm only going to focus on the Clippers and the Suns because they're, all three of those teams are in the same division. So if they get leapfrogged and move into fifth, then that means they finish in third place in their division. They're not giving coach of the year to a guy who finishes in third place in his division. That's not going to happen. And I think we can agree that there's a decent chance the Kings get leapfrogged by the Clippers and the Celtics. Uh, yeah, I think it's a very good chance. I think that you could very well be looking at the Kings not even to make the playoffs. So, uh, especially if they don't like keep up what they're doing. The I think second half of the, the season playoffs, is where you see teams I, die. I think they'll be a six. I think they'll be a probably a five or a six if I had to guess. Yeah. But. You, but you can't be a five and a, like you have to have momentum going in being a five and a six. You can't be struggling and limping into yeah. the playoffs as a five and a six to win coach of the year. Like you got to have a the momentum. The difference between Thibodeau, time. yeah, the difference between Thibodeau and Mike Brown is the fact that Thibodeau's team made a push and they held serve and was that four. I think it was a four seed that year. Yeah, but uh, this this Kings team. Like they, they set the expectations too high. Now they have to hold serve at three for him to even be considered in coach of the year. I think it's Missoula's to lose. So I think Missoula is definitely where you need to, especially if you're getting plus money still, you should definitely be getting on Missoula coach of the year because probably in the next week or two, it's going to be like minus 300. I, I got Missoula earlier this year. Uh, the narrative's there, especially since he was named the official head coach. I think that's yeah. big for narrative purposes. That's why Mike Brown's in second. It's because of narrative. It's because the Kings haven't made the playoffs in an eternity, and he's probably going to lead them there. But I do yep. think I agree with you. You need to finish the season on a high note. I made this case yesterday with Munaf, but it does involve the Celtics basically running the table moving forward. They have played 59 games, so they have 23 games left. They need to win 18 of them to get the 60 wins. Am I wrong for thinking the Celtics could realistically finish the season with an 18-5 and record to win 60 games? They might be the only team in the league to win 60. Yeah. No. Uh, no, I don't want to say If that. they are the only team that wins 60, he's, he's going to win this award by a landslide. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. And, I mean... Then this would happen with Phoenix last some... year. I, I, think, I think Monty was the only coach, and Phoenix was the only team to win 60. If they don't, if they don't win sixty games, then the Boston Celtics, Boston Celtics, like that's ultimately what it is. They have to literally collapse not to finish this. And they're at basically full games. strength. So yeah, so that's my only thing, and that's why I could never bet Celtics like and just trust them straight up. But 
I will just trust the fact that they just completely don't turn over their heads and Missoula can walk into plus money as coach of the year. I still think that's actually really insane that he's still plus money. And if you're not getting down on that, you really should. Now, for the record, I, I once again have money on Missoula, so I'm rooting for Missoula. I don't think he deserves it. I think he inherited a Ferrari, but I yes. think that he's going to win it. If yeah, I had to pick really anybody to win coach of the year, just based on who I think deserves it, I'd probably actually go Oklahoma City's coach if I had to pick anybody. I no, really so if I, he's done with that team. If I had a vote, that's probably where my vote would go, especially if we, we get agree? to yeah, yeah. If I had a vote, that's probably where my vote would go because it's just I I would know that that's not going to be the favorite, and I probably have Missoula as like a third place vote maybe, but uh, I'm definitely would I would probably go with OKC's coach and just saying that dog he took a team that one didn't have expectations when they had the second overall pick then you lost the second overall pick and now you're sitting here sniffing at the playoffs on the outside in and don't let them don't let them actually have a good second half of the season and make a run because even though we all don't expect it to happen there's a, still a very realistic possibility that they catch up the one and a half games to six mm-hmm. like <laughs> so Second half of the season, that's probably – if he had a good second half of the season, that's probably where my vote would have gone. All right, let's slide over to sixth man of the year. I will let you read off the sixth man of the year odds and before I give out my second Boston Celtics future. All right, so for the sixth man of the year, I'm going to treat this similarly to the coach of the year where I'm going to name basically three guys and I'll basically ignore the rest of the options because I only see three guys who can win this award. Do we agree on that? Um, I will let you read off the names. Okay, so I'll, I'll read off the names favorite. and the odds. Brogdon's a minus favorite. He's minus 165, which personally I think is ridiculous. We'll talk about that in a second. You have Norman Powell at 350. You have Maxi at 350. And you have Westbrook at 9-1. to one. Toss him out. He's not even on a team right now. Or he is on a team. He's on the Clippers, but I don't know what his role on the team is going to be. So I Westbrook, throw out. You have three guys. You have Brogdon, Powell, and Maxi. Do we agree on that? Yeah. Okay. So I know you were going to talk about Brogdon because you have a Celtics pick. So make Yeah, sense. yeah. I mean, I, I can't get away from Malcolm Brogdon, the sixth man of the year. And it's just the it's the fact of consistency for Brogdon. Like, it's just he's consistent. He's been very, very consistent in what he's done coming off the bench. He hasn't been one of those players that moves into the starting lineup when players are out. They actually go out of their way to make sure that he stays coming off the bench. And – Going into the offseason, this is what they sold Malcolm Brogdon on. Like, this Boston Celtics sold him on being sixth man of the year. Like, that's what they sold him on. They had a plan of doing that since the beginning of the season. For the and record, so, by the way, Brogdon has zero starts. Yes. So, they sold him on that role. And they tried to sell that on a couple other players. I won't say the other player's name for, you know, the fact that I don't want to lose my sword. But they sold that same dream to a couple of other players. Malcolm Brogdon was the person that ultimately took him up on it. And Malcolm Brogdon actually got to that point. Now, I didn't think that they were actually going to get to the point of making him six man of the year. But that's what it is. And I know that for the rest of the season, the next 23, 24, 25 games, whatever the fuck it is, that they are going to continue to use him in that role. They're going to continue to give him the opportunity to lead that second offense and be the main scorer for the second offense to get six man of the year. So it's not just the fact that he's playing well, but it's the fact that the organization has said 
and people may not know that, but they literally said, and that's what they were preaching to free agents and offseason that we are trying to make you six man of the year. So I'm definitely taking Brogdon at minus 165. Now, should it really be minus 165? Uh, I don't know. We'll talk about that. But uh, I, I will take the price. I yeah, it should. It should, but I'll take the I'll take the price and I'll lay to 165 with Malcolm Brogdon. The only other person I would consider is Tyrese Maxey. Okay. I think one of the only other people I'd consider was Norman Powell. But I feel like we're gonna have a discussion quickly about why I think the odds might be a little bit off. It's because Brogdon's injury history, but I guess the counter argument is Powell's injured all the time too. But the issue for Brogdon in years past has been his inavailability which I'm pretty sure is a word. It should be a word. But mm-hmm. the point is, Brogdon this year has actually not missed much time. He's only missed nine games. You're looking at Powell. He's missed 11. So Powell's actually missed more games than him. And looking at Maxie, he missed a month earlier in the year. So yeah. the one thing that I feel like Maxie's going to have a hard time with is potentially overcoming the fact on his resume that he's going to be playing in less games than the two guys he's competing with, which I think is going to be a problem. But when he's on the court, he would be my vote, but he did miss a month, and we got to talk about it. So I do think that's definitely worth bringing up. Maxi has played in 38 games, so he's missed 19. I, I don't think he can win the award missing 19 games if Brogdon and Ash or Powell only miss 12 tops. I think that'll be held against Maxi, in my opinion. So if I had to pick anybody right now, I probably would pick Norman Powell. Maxi would be my pick if he was healthy for most of the season. But the fact he's going to most likely finish the year playing less games than Brogdon and Powell, I think voters will hold it against him. Yeah. Um, That's assuming he plays in every game the rest of the season. Yeah, it is. I think the only thing that it would be hard to ignore is if he continues the scoring like he's averaging 19.8 points. Oh no, he's game. incredible. Yeah, like, and he, if he continues, but if he player. continues that, if he averages 20 points per game coming off the bench for the second half of the season, so these next 20 plus games, if he averages 20 points per game coming off the bench, and Malcolm Brogdon does end up missing time as well, then I think that I really think that is it's a leapfrog for Maxi, and Maxi's going to become the favorite at that point. But, I think the problem Maxi has, besides the injuries, which caused him to miss about a month and a half, and why he's missed already 19 games, it's the fact that he's only played in 38 games, but he's he started, started 22 of those games. Yeah. So he's going to need to make sure he plays, because if he doesn't, he might not qualify for the award, because yeah. I believe you need to have more bench games than starter games, and there's a chance that doesn't happen. It should happen, but there's a chance it doesn't. For the most part, I don't think that Tyrese Maxey really has a big injury. Like, it's been major injuries, but I don't think he has, like, a – he just gets nicked and bruised and misses games. So. Oh, it's not because of him. I'm saying if Harden yeah, no. gets hurt and he has to start, then he might be disqualified from the award. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But – and and that is a concern because I think they will not – I got to bring it up. The Sixers haven't hesitated. Thought. Yeah, the Sixers haven't hesitated to move him back into the starting lineup. So I agree with that, yeah. So it really just might not be his for fault. thought, there is a chance that if Harden gets hurt, he might not qualify for the award. Just going to throw that out there. So if I had to pick anybody right now, I'd pick Norman Powell. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm still – it's Brogdon. And, yeah, you kind of might – you might assault me on Powell being my backup to Brogdon. Because I think you do – if you're betting Brogdon, I think you should 100% have a backup. Like you should. If I was picking on which player I'd rather have on my team, I would 100% take Maxi. But I got to at least point out the resume that he has for the award – he does need some stuff to go his way. Yeah. All right. 
last award on the market. I really didn't. I really didn't have any feelings towards this, but most improved player. Do you want to pivot to defensive player? Uh not really. Okay. I was gonna say because Jackson's minus I mean, one ninety. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I was about to say, say about it's just award. Jackson. Like it's just Jackson. Just take Jackson. Like minus one ninety. Just yeah. take Jackson. That's really. That, the that's most why of the I kind of decided to do this because at least the odds are close in this one. Yeah. And there's a lot of narratives that there's a lot of narratives that you could go for why different players would get it. So what's the awards market for most improved? So once again, you have three people that are worth anything because the fourth option's at plus five thousand. So don't even bother. You have Shea at plus one thirty. You have Markin in a plus one thirty, and you have Brunson at three to one. I'll ask you this just to start the conversation. Does it help or does it hurt Brunson's argument that he got snubbed for an all-star game? I think narrative-wise, it could help because... It could also hurt because he doesn't have the accolades. So it could be a makeup no, award no, or it could be helpful. Yeah, I think it's a makeup. I think it's a makeup. It'd be a makeup award, honestly. If the, the Knicks are in, what, nine and a half? I mean, they could jump Brooklyn, but I really don't see them catching the Cavs, who are four and a half games above them. Uh I mean, Brunson, if Brunson does what he's doing now and continues doing that, I think that they very well could be a makeup award. But that was my same argument for SGA. This is a makeup award because SGA is never going to be one of the top two guards in the West. Like, he's never going to be one of the top two guards in the West. No matter how good he is, they're never going to say he's one of the top two guards of the West because you have Steph and Luka there. Like, he's never going to be there. And so it's like, you got to give him something. And what do you give them? You give them most improved and say, we, we notice what you're doing. You're averaging 30 points per game. You're a bucket. You're him. You're really good. Unfortunately, we can't give you an all-pro. <laughs> we can't give you an all-star starter. You're going to be you an all-NBA second or third team guy. We can't give likely. you an MVP. Like, <laughs> we gotta, you, you got to get most improved and be happy with it. And so that's why I'm like, I really think, while Lori is a great story, I think is I truly think is SGA, and then you could sell me on a makeup award of sorts for Jalen Brunson as well because Jalen Brunson is really really going crazy. I think we're going to agree in terms of the two guys we're looking at. I'm not picking Markinen. If this award was based on how it was previously scored, I would have voted for Markinen. The problem is I think that the voters electing John Morant to be most improved last year sabotage the integrity of the award. This doesn't feel like a most improved player award anymore. It feels like a rising star award. It feels like you're trying to give it to a, a, a blossoming superstar just to give them their flowers since they can't win the MVP, which is not what the award should be. So if you're going based on the original classical definition of the award, it should be marking it. But I do think Ja winning it last year is a slippery slope and Shea gets a lot more social media recognition than Markinen does. So I'm not picking Markinen. I think he should. By the way, Laurie Markinen has a 10-point jump from what he did points-wise last season. He was averaging 14.8 points per game with the Cavs. He is now averaging 24.9 points per game. But based on how both players are covered, according to the media, I think we would agree that if the main two finalists were Shea and Laurie, it's Most clearly people Shea. would vote for Shea. It's clearly Shea. Like, 
it, I think again, it's fundamental. You got to remember, it's the media voting for this award. Like, I think it's fundamentally he's getting the most wrong, coverage. But I got to bring it up. I, I think Lori's going to get screwed because nobody watches Utah play basketball. I actually don't think it's fundamentally wrong because I think Shea is like. I mean, they we know Shay was to him, but he went. He's averaging thirty. Like that's a bit. Like regardless, that is hard to do. He's averaging thirty, and if he but most averages improved, 30, though, once again, I think you got to change the name of the award because we knew Shay no. was a dog for years. Yeah, but I and that's the thing about Ja because Ja didn't have. I don't think at least I'm pretty sure Ja didn't have a six point jump in scoring. Like Shay jumped six points in scoring. So while I get it. And, you know, the most improved award probably is for, like, the Pascal Siakams that they're, like, you know, these guys that are that are amounting themselves into all-star category. And, yeah, I think that if you look at the past winners of the award and how they look, that they profile more to Lori Marketing than Shea. But ultimately, where the voted, votes are at now, you're, you're going to have a hard time selling me that it's going to be Shea. And I think you agree as well that it's By the more way, than ja, likely going ja to Jaw had an eight point jump last year. Okay, so I mean he's still that's still pretty good, but it's the fact that and Shea is the same. It's not the fact that Jaw was a second overall pick, but it's more of the fact that we knew Shea and Jaw were good prior to this season, prior to last season for Jaw, but it's more of the fact that they didn't play, you know, a full assortment of games because they were always hurt. And now when they are have their most healthy season, they prove, yo. I'm somebody that deserves not only to be in consideration for this award, all pro first team consideration, outside dark horse MVPs consideration. So, I mean, it's, I, I think you just, and I think we agree, you just take Shea at plus 130. I am going to ask you, though, with Brunson, because you can argue it's a makeup since he didn't make the all star game or the all star rosters. Is he actually improved or does he just have a significantly higher usage rate? I think that it is because we saw him drop forty-five in the playoffs against Utah, with Doncic being out. Are we, are we sure he's improved, or does he just have a bigger role on a team? No, I actually think he's improved. Like I think okay. he's a better like Jalen Brunson of last year, getting more minutes because you got to look. He did get a lot of minutes last year towards the end of the season. He I'm just saying because he went of off in the playoffs when Luca was injured. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, no, and but what I'm saying is that even in his time, like as the starter he still uh, didn't play as well as he's playing now. Like, in his time as a starter, getting all that assortment of minutes and basically doing the same thing that he's doing for the Knicks, he, he's not playing as well as he's playing now. So I think there is – he definitely – I think he is playing the best in his career, usage. but I always have to mention that he does have the ball in his hands a lot more than he did in Dallas. That's kind of yeah. my point. And – yeah, but yeah, he does. He does. I'm really, I'm like, that. I'm, he does. I'm really just. But it's more very, the fact that I'm being very yeah. harsh here. I'm, I'm just asking if you. No, think and I get that, and I get improved. making that case. But I will say that watching Jalen Brunson this year and watching him last year, even with the extra minutes, even with the ball in his hand, he still made a very, very big jump in the offseason. And I think it's partially because he knows he could not come into New York playing the same ball that he was playing for Dallas. Even though he was good for Dallas, he could not come into New York playing the same ball that he was playing for Dallas after getting that deal. And he worked on his game, and it shows. Now, on the other hand, you could also argue that for the for the most improved player award, if Brunson is the only player of these three to make the playoffs, is that a boost? Because there's a realist, you know, it's realistic that Utah and Oklahoma City missed the playoffs. Yeah, but no, I don't think so. 
Okay. Shea's averaging 30. Like I'm just, he's I'm just, if I'm Shea just continues to average 30, the only thing that he could, that Shea could do to take him out of this award is fall out of and maybe down to 28 points per game. I think you're going to say if they pulled them for the final two months of the season again. Oh, no, they're not doing that because they're actually in they're, they're in position. too deep at this point. They can't. Take yeah, they're in play. So they're going to have yeah, to go for it. Position. All right. Anything else for the people before we get up out of here? <laughs> not really. Uh, I wasn't sure if you want to do a lock and dog segment or just go through our favorite play, I guess. But no, it was fun going through the awards. And I hope that Kyle's right. I hope that we're right. I hope Missoula is a lock because that would make me a nice four digits. But hopefully... He, he wins the award. We'll see what happens. But I'm rooting for Boston to basically run the table the after the All-Star break. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I'm not a big, I'm not a big futures better. Everybody knows that I'm not a big futures better. I prefer to get my money and get it now. But for the most part, it's a lot of big, a lot of markets, a lot of interest. I just can't get past the Phoenix Suns. Like I true, they have to completely, they just have to prove to me that they're not going to be as good as we think they are. And I don't see a lot of scenarios when they do that. So, all right. You all know where to find us. Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Do you, you want to do a best bet or do you want to just wrap it up here? It's fine. With uh, I mean, if you want to, you want to drop a best bet, we can. It's cool. Um, Sure. Why not? Um, I don't know if you want to do lock and dog, but I guess I'll give out my favorite plays for both. So my my dog pick's going to be Norman Powell to win sixth man of the year. I, I just think that Shea's going to be a little bit of an easy choice. That might be my lock, actually. But I think Powell at 350 has a very good case, and I do question Brogdon's overall durability. You know what? Yeah, I think my lock's going to be Shea to win most improved. I think letting Ja win was extremely bad for the future of the award, and I think that they're going to give it to future superstars at this point. So my lock will be Shea at like plus 130, plus 135 to win sixth man. And my dog will be pal to win sixth man uh, at uh, plus 350. All right. Shea for most improved, pal for sixth man. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just giving Missoula. Missoula, like, Boston has to have a complete, like, Boston could still fall to two, and Missoula could still win this award. Like, Boston has to have a complete, utter, total meltdown. If they outplay Sacramento, that might just be good enough to win the award. Yeah, like, uh, I'll just take Missoula at plus money. Like, that's it. All right. Hey, let's see here. Where am I at? Oh, yeah. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You have YouTube.com slash NBA Gambling Podcast. And make sure you follow us on the network. Follow the picks page, sg.pn slash NBA Picks. You'll see our picks that we give out there throughout the season during the daily games. Even in days that we are not on, we'll give out picks. And other than that, I mean, that's really it. I have nothing else to say. Nothing else really to do. I'm just trying to give you your time back. So we're going to end the podcast like this. We are out of here. Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm going to.